This is episode eight of The Janet Lewis Show. In the podcast, I will be talking with people who have tapped into what they love, are living the life they imagined, or maybe they didn't imagine it, but have become super successful at what they are doing. They've been able to figure out what gives them energy or makes them happy and turn it into a business, or they have found a career that allows them to shine. We are going to talk about their life story, how they got to where they are, and what has influenced their journey. Today, we're talking with Scott McQuagg, owner and principal landscape architect of Eden Tree Design. Scott is very passionate about bringing to life the unlocked potential in every space. He loves to create beautiful spaces that are to be enjoyed. Scott has a keen eye for design and every detail matters. He's been designing and overseeing high-end landscapes throughout the GTA, Muskoka, Georgian Bay, the Caribbean Islands, Florida, and Europe for over 25 years. Scott was born and raised in Penetanguishene, Ontario. He graduated from the University of Guelph with honors from the Landscape Architecture and Horticulture Program. And if you do not know this fun fact, this program is one of the best in North America. So Scott, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. I'm so glad you could come. So Scott and I have known each other since high school because we both shared a love for volleyball and have spent many hours on the court together. Uh, We did lose touch, but have reconnected in the last couple of years. And, you know, I had forgotten how much I love spending time with you. (laughs) Ditto. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, you are um, such a kind and generous soul and you always have such great energy. And every time I get to spend time with you, I walk away feeling, wow, that was great. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we always tend to get into these deep conversations that inspire creativity and growth. And, you know, recently when you had invited me to your cottage, which is beautiful, of course. Thank you. (laughs) um, We had started talking about your journey and you'd shared some things. And I thought, oh, my God, we should record this because your story is really interesting. And I think a lot of people can learn things from it. Thanks. So thank you for coming to share your story. Thank you. And so let's start off with like, when did you figure out that you had a passion for landscape, architecture, design? So I think that like the key to my sort of story was really back when uh, like growing up as a very uh, young child, um, both sides of my mother and father's families uh, were very big into gardening whether it be vegetable gardens or growing perennials or trees or or like orchards and stuff. And um, my great grandparents who lived in Aurelia, Ontario on my mother's side, uh, we spent a lot of time with them during the summers. And they were very Christian people, very, they would always go to church on, on Sunday and always sort of came home and would tell us about stories of the Garden of Eden and sort of stories of um, the teachings in the Bible. And I remember their back garden growing up to me was what I um, thought of the Garden of Eden being. Ah. When, when I sort of envisioned these stories that my great-grandparents were telling me about it. And as a little kid, like growing up and running and playing in these gardens and just feeling like you're in the Garden of Eden, right? And just seeing all these plants and really not knowing much about it, just that it was beautiful. Um, and then later on in life, like just with my being with my grandparents and like digging in the dirt and like planting things and harvesting from, from the, the land, right? It really influenced me, and uh, I think that was really where my my inspiration came from. Yeah. Um, later in life, when I was in uni- or in high school in Penetanguishene, um, I knew that I really loved drafting courses and I loved architecture. And um, 
had no clue about anything about landscape architecture until I met a, um, a guidance counselor. And she asked me, like, what, what is it that you like and what's your passion and stuff? And I remember telling her that I love architecture, but I also love garden. I love gardening and I love the earth and I love like nature. And she said, have you ever thought about landscape architecture? And it wasn't until that point that I even knew what a landscape architect was. Yeah, of course, because yeah. living in that community... It was a very small community, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you you had garden centers, you had like nurseries and stuff like that. And you had people that had nice gardens. Um, but she put me on to a local landscape architect who had graduated from Guelph. And um, she said that he's looking for an internship, like to do a co-op with mm. basically. And uh, I think I was in grade maybe 10 by that point, 10 or 11. And I did a co-op with Dan Williams, who is a, a local landscape architect in the Midland area. And I loved it. Like, I mean, I absolutely loved the fact that I could sit down and I could draft and I could use plants and I could use architecture and sort of pull it into one and see the work that he did. And basically, that's what sort of shaped my decision to where I would go to university was the university that he had gone to, right. which, as you said, was Guelph University. And it happened to be like the top uh, university for landscape architecture in North America, one of. And uh, so I basically applied and uh, got accepted. And uh, actually, sorry, first to back up, I didn't get accepted first year. Oh, I, you didn't? I, I got accepted into horticulture because they're two different programs. So the University of Guelph being a horticultural and agricultural uh, college originally, and then turning into university, I got accepted into horticulture because it was harder to get into landscape architecture. So horticulture was a two-year degree, yeah. uh, diploma, sorry. And uh, through doing that, I had a better understanding of the portfolio that was required being at the university for landscape architecture. So I reapplied after my second year in, in horticulture and I got in um, to the BLA program. And So let's go back. When yeah. you didn't get accepted the first time, yes. were you super disappointed? Um, do you remember? I, I, I do remember getting the letter uh, and being disappointed, but the fact that I had applied to both programs and I still got into a university being in horticulture, I remember feeling sad but happy because yeah. I was the first person out of my entire family through cousins and and all that to go to a university. So oh, my wow. parents were really, really excited about it. And I thought, you know what? I'm still going to get into landscape architecture. I knew that I was going to get into it. It was just, it was going to be a different avenue. Right. And uh, like looking back, I had more experience or I have more experience now having that background of horticulture as well as landscape architecture. So it was a great thing, like in, in retrospect. Listen, so, yeah. I believe everything comes for a reason. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> right? For sure. For sure. We don't so, always know the reason. No. But. And you don't know the path that you need to take. But looking back, it's like it's the best thing because it's put me sort of leaps and bounds ahead of other people in my profession because having two years of understanding of just the plants because in, in landscape architecture, you study plants, but it's not the only thing you're studying, right. right? So having that extra backdrop and then going into a program that, I mean, I was acing all of my horticultural components, like getting <laughs> uh, 90 or 100 on those on those components. So it was it was good. And it was meant to happen that way, too. So, yeah. So uh, you graduate from university and then did you go on to work for other people or what yeah, happened? So after that? in the in the second last year of uh, Guelph in landscape architecture, um, I did a co-op again, like a, basically a placement in Barrie at a, uh, a firm that was uh, a landscape architect who had graduated from Guelph as well. 
very successful. And I worked for him for a summer and absolutely loved it, like working again in a professional firm and then went back to complete my final year. And in the last uh, month of our, our program, we get uh, all of the major um, design firms from Toronto, all across Ontario, places across Canada coming in and they're picking you. They're, they're actually interviewing with you before you graduate. Oh, before, wow. Because it's a very small niche market, right? Like, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of other landscape architects that graduate uh, in a year. So I had applied to seven interviews and I had been accepted at five firms, uh, most of them throughout the GTA. But my um, my boss from my summer job came to me and he said, no, Scott, I want you to come and work for us in Barrie. And I said, well, Stefan, I've been uh, like I've been accepted at five other firms. And he says, I don't care. I'm going to match what the top offer is. Wow. So, so I was like, that's amazing. Right. I get to live close to home. Um, and you get to be up north out of the up city. North, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because yeah. being a small town boy and as you can appreciate. Right. Um, I wasn't ready for the big city yet. Uh, and basically, I started working at the firm. And the first day when we sat down to discuss wages he had put a piece of paper in front of me and i was a bit shocked i said this is five dollars less than the lowest offer that i had got from someone in toronto and he said uh well that's all i can offer you and i thought as a young kid like i was nervous right and i thought you know what i know my worth and i know that i'm worth more than this and i felt cheated so i said to him i said well this is my first and last day and i left that day it was a I think it was maybe a Friday. But hadn't you already said no to the other firms? I did. I did. So what I did is I went back to Penetang and Midland. The next day I did up a brochure with all of my designs, a photo, and I walked around a development in Midland on base, on the Bayside where they were building all these new homes with people moving up from the city. Yeah. And I handed out flyers door to door. That was on a Sunday. And by the Tuesday I had nine designs and I started my own firm. No way. Yeah. I did not know that part oh, of the I story. I told you that. No, yeah. you told me, um, well, you told me the story and you might want to repeat it now yeah. of how you came up with the name. Oh, the name. Yeah. For yes. your firm. So yeah. I thought that was super interesting, but I didn't realize that that had happened. Well, see it. So it links into it. Right. So when I went back to Penetang and Midland and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to start my own company. I had, I had been sort of dabbling in doing garden design and, and dabbled in doing uh, installations as a summer job. Oh yeah. Right? So I bet everybody's mom and their right, exactly. like, Hey, how about you come do my garden? <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> So um, having that experience and I thought, you know what, I know my worth and I knew that I had been wronged. I knew that there was like I knew that I wasn't just going to turn over on my back and just take it. And so I went and I started uh, and I had to pick a name. Right. So yeah. to do this brochure. And I remember going to the printing company and I put it all together. And there's I still have the pamphlet. It's so funny. The original one. The original which pamphlet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I basically thought, you know, what, what really was the inspiration for me to become a landscape architect? And I remembered back to my great grandparents. And I remember that uh, them teaching about the Garden of Eden. And yeah. I thought I have to have something as homage like uh, like to them. And uh, basically I decided Eden tree the tree was the first ever landscape component in the bible right so i called it eden tree design and uh from that day i started a sole proprietor business and like i said i out of uh i think i had nine jobs uh lined up and started doing private residential design wow wow that's amazing yeah and then basically from there um 
meeting people in the community and people moving up from the city. So you're meeting a total different clientele than you're used to being local people from, yeah, the, yeah. from the area. And uh, one couple that I met, I worked on a large farm home for them. And uh, they, um, uh, the husband had a brother in Markham who was a landscape architect, but who did um, commercial and land development. They loved my work so much that they, they introduced me to him. Oh, and wow. basically I met with him, interviewed with him in Markham, and he hired me on the spot. And I came and moved to Markham. So you went from running your own small business yeah. to being an employee. To being an employee. However, because it was two different uh, disciplines, like w the one that I was going to work for was commercial and land development. He allowed me to keep my own residential business on the side. Oh, so I worked yeah. a full-time job during yeah. the week. And then I came to my little new apartment in, in Markham, basement apartment. And I would come home every night after work and have my drafting board and do residential clients whether it was back up north or people I'd picked up down here. Wow. And uh, I ran both businesses. Well, so you sorry, were working a lot. A lot. I put in so much work as a young kid. Like, I had no life. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but I, I knew the value of um, something that my grandparents had told me. And it stuck to me and stuck with me until today. They always said, make hay while the sun shines. Ah. So while you're busy, make as much money as you can and reap the rewards later. Yeah. You yeah. know, so that's basically how it started, you know, and then after I worked at the firm for um, four years, I decided that working for somebody wasn't my thing. Yeah. I really liked having the creativity and or the creative rights and stuff. So I basically um, left the firm and started my own uh, company as a an incorporated company, Eden Tree Design. And that became my my bread and butter. And I built up such a clientele in Toronto just through meeting like architects, real estate agents, um, interior designers, yeah. you know. Um, well, it's also because you're very good at what you do. Thank you. Right? So <laughs> like, no, but this is, and I think this is important. Yeah. Like so many people try to start businesses because they want to fill a need. Yeah. But if you're not good at what you do, no. you will never be successful. Whereas yeah. even when I used to e-learning consulting, I always felt like you're only as good as your last job. For sure. And so that's why you still have to be better and better and yeah. learn and grow, right? Yeah. So obviously, you know, this is coming to you because you're good at what you do and people are referring you. Yeah. You're, when you're, right? I find if you're passionate about something and you enjoy doing it and it doesn't feel like a job. And I mean, this is not every yeah. day and not every hour of every day. But if it in general feels like it's something that you love... You're going to be successful at it no matter what it is. Yeah. And I, I truly believe that. And I think there's always going to be people in this world that are going to be employees because they're happy being an employee. Yeah. But then when someone jumps to that level that they want to be their own boss, you, you really have to go for it. And I mean, give it all. Give it your all. And I mean, I find I did all that groundwork that now I can ride the wave a little bit more now. Sure. You know, like, yeah. I mean, I've, I put in that time and now I have a life, right? Yeah. And now I'm enjoying, <laughs> I'm reaping the rewards of that, yeah, right? So, that's right. And again, like, the company has grown so, so much that um, I've never had to advertise. Yeah. It's always been word of mouth because I always think, like, 
the best, best compliment any client could give me is to recommend me. Oh, absolutely. You know, and absolutely. it just keeps happening over and over. And, and, and clients um, who will buy multiple homes, like, I mean, they'll move up. They'll have a starter home and then they'll buy a, a larger home or, you know, or another home or a vacation home, right? Well, and with your business, I think you also told me, um, like, you have to say no now to some projects and you only say yes to projects of a certain level. Yes. Probably for a bunch of different reasons. Yeah. One, because then it's more worth your time, but also probably the creativity that you can put on it when it's a larger project is much more interesting for to you, sure. Right? Yeah, that was a more recent decision that I made. A good friend of mine uh, who's a financial advisor told me that I should put in place the 2080 rule. And mm-hmm. I had never really heard of the 2080 rule. And she explained to me, she said, 20% of your clients give you 80% of your revenue and concentrate on those 20%. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, how do I do this? Right. And she says, you need to put a limit to the cost uh, or of what a project is going to be. Don't work on the projects that are 20, 30, 40,000, set it as a limit. So uh, more recently, I said it as a hundred thousand. Like, I mean, if I'm going to work on designs, the budget to install that design has to be a hundred thousand or up. Yeah. And it moved me into a whole different league of clientele. And like you said, the creativity is, um, I, I would say like the creativity is, is still there on a small project versus yeah. a large project, but you're not limited. Yeah. Right. And two, the, the amount of time that you're spending on a small project could equate to some of the big projects. Yes, so it really absolutely. is just focusing on the better projects for me. Yeah. Right. Well, and it also like the bigger projects probably also allow you to still learn and grow. Yes. Oh, for sure. Well, right? For sure. Yeah. Whereas I would think some of the smaller projects, not that it would become templated, but it would probably be a lot easier, faster. In yeah, some more ways. cookie cutter. Yeah, yeah for sure, for yeah. sure. Like, I mean, you're always going to have. Budget. Yeah, you're always going to have different wish lists from clients. Mm-hmm. But I would say the hardest thing again was going back to that notion that my parent or my grandparents told me: make hay while the sun shines. Yeah, it was hard for me to not take on every single project, but it alleviated yeah. my stress because I was taking on bigger projects were more financial gain for me and I didn't have to take on so many of the little projects. So my yeah. stress load was cut in half. You know, yeah, like it's interesting because I think a lot of business owners, you know, regardless of whether you've been in business, well, when you're in business right away, you mm-hmm. take on everything. everything. You're like, when? Yeah, When's yeah. More? when am I going to get more work? <laughs> yeah. um, but even as you grow, like some people still make the mistake of not putting that limit. You know, I could be guilty of that for sure. Like, yeah. Chase it's I call it kind of like chasing money. Yeah. And once you start to chase the money, it's almost like a downward spiral yes. in some yeah. ways because your stress level goes up, you're yeah. super tired, you're not working on things you're passionate about. And if you can set those parameters in place, you actually end up getting to a place of success and happiness much faster. For sure. Right? For sure. Yeah. And too, like, I mean, the, the whole level of like, I used to sort of, um, as when I was younger and starting my own business and, and, and when I broke away from the firm, I always describe uh, the experience as being like a little kid standing at the edge of a pool, wanting to do a back dive, but being very, very fearful. But knowing the first time you do it and you get it, you're going to do it over and over and over. And that's <laughs> yeah. what I did. You have to take that plunge. And I know it's sort of a cheesy analogy, right? Yeah. But that's what I did. I was like, you know what? I have to believe that I'm putting out good energy, yeah, yeah, that yeah. I'm I'm passionate about what I do, it's going to come back to me in in sort of reward, you know? And that's that was the hardest thing is that that whole concept of make hay while the sun shines turned to don't take on every project, concentrate on the big ones or yeah. concentrate on the ones that are more interesting or be selective. 
yeah. you know, and, and it's worked out really, really well. But it, I think you had to go through that stage. Like you had to go through those various steps to get there, you know, not to be too cocky and jump right into it. No, exactly. You <laughs> you know? No, I, I 100% agree with that for sure. For yeah. sure. But I think, I think one of the bigger challenges is that some people never, ever learn that lesson. No, right? they don't. Yeah. Then you end up getting burnt out or yeah. whatever. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Wow. Um, so in all of the things that you do, what are you most passionate about? Like what part of your business do you absolutely love doing? So just, just yesterday, it's just weird that this has happened, but just yesterday, um, I was on site for a, a quite a large project that I'm doing. Um, and we're getting to the point that now, um, all the hard work has been done. All the design work has been done. All the tender has been done. All the pricing has been done. The contractors are finishing up their work. <laughs> And I was on site and I had the client meet me there at 3.30 yesterday and I'm on site and I'm hosing things down and I'm pulling tarps off and the client walks in and he goes, wow. Oh. Like, cause he hadn't really seen all this stuff stripped away from his backyard and he's seeing stuff that we've designed in CAD drawings or 3D renderings, which show pretty good um, images of it, but to actually see and physically walk through the space now. So that I think is the most rewarding is when I can actually deliver and turn something over and say, here's my vision and here's a little piece of me that I'm giving to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's yeah. what we do as designers. Like, I mean, look, I'm not going to live in every house that I design, but every design I do is something that I'm passionate about and that I love. Right. So I'm giving you a little piece of me. So I think that's the most rewarding thing um, or meeting clients and presenting them with a design um, that they have given you their wishes, a wish list. And then you present it and they're like, wow. Like, yeah. I mean, just that, the expression on their face, the comments they make, um, the follow-up email or text message to say, like, you hit it out of the park. You know, like, those are the things that really make it all worthwhile. So, okay, on the flip side. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever struck out? <laughs> so, you know what the funny, the, somebody asked me that the other day. So, so the funny thing is, is that I have one project that out of all of the projects that I've done, and, and I'm not just even saying this, that I had a husband and wife that I was working with and doing a design for. And um, I always ask if there's two partners involved to meet with both of them. Of course. Because they could have different wish lists. So unfortunately, he couldn't make it. So I met with her. She told me the wish list. I did the design. I came back and I presented to both of them. She's like, amazing, love it. He's like, that's not what I want at all. Oh, no. So I'm no. sitting there in the meeting saying, <coughs> Bob, Jim, whoever you are. I said, why weren't you here at the meeting? Or why didn't you pass these on to your wife? Like these these uh, wish lists. That requires communication. Right. <laughs> so I did another design with his wish list and hers. Because you're, you're dealing with people sometimes that they don't agree on the same thing. But you have to pull them together to make a cohesive design. Right. Presented the design. He loved it. She was okay with it. Two weeks later, they're divorced. And I'm thinking, oh, no. <laughs> I'm thinking, serious? okay, it's not, it wasn't me. <laughs> so that's the, that's the one, because the, the funny thing is, is that being sort of, or when I was a little bit newer to Toronto, I would have, uh, get referrals to clients that had, met with other landscape architects or had other landscape architects do designs for them and they weren't happy with the designs and they yeah. didn't move forward and some some clients had two three landscape architects do designs for them and they weren't happy 
So the one thing that I really do pride myself in, and I like I puff my chest up for this because I think it's it's very unique, is that I can come in and meet with clients that have met with other landscape architects, haven't understood their wish list or haven't presented something that they're really happy with. And the clients will say, do you want to see the designs? And I'm like, no, I don't want to see or be influenced by someone else's designs, especially if you didn't like them. Yeah, it's true. Just tell me your wish list and let me see what I can deliver to you. And this has happened, I'm going to say, in a given year, probably three, four times in a year, yep. clients um, come to me with this problem and I present and they'll be like, you did it. Like, I mean, in one go, you've done it. You've captured everything that we want. So I think, look, I think of it as a, as a gift and I think it's a blessing For that sure. I can walk into a space and I can redesign a space, whether it be a garden, inside of a home, whatever it is. And I just the pieces all come together. Like they, they literally move in front of my eyes and then I come back to the office and I, I reproduce it on a design. So like I would say 99% of the time I've, I've hit the ball out of the park, right? And, yeah. and I've had that one time, but then I also kind of think... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... It but, happens. It yeah, happens. for sure. It happens. For sure. Well, you know, it's funny because, you know, listening to you, you make it sound so easy. Right? <laughs> Everything sounds so easy. Um, but in your in your life, what do you think have, have kind of been some of the biggest challenges that you've come across and how have you gotten through them? So challenges, let's see. Um, I think some of the challenges that I've had have been um, having either having uh, partners like in uh, like I had a, a good friend of mine who was an interior designer yep. and we thought it was a great idea to share office space you know and he um, doing interior and me doing landscape it was great because we could refer to each other and stuff like this and for a short period of time it worked amazing like we were able to share secretaries like copiers space right and and we were good friends and Unfortunately, that didn't um, pan out. Um, he was going through some some issues in his life, and it led into sort of being a little destructive in his business. Right. And it was hard to watch a good friend go through that. So I had to separate yeah. uh, to keep my integrity and stuff and to, to still hold him as a good friend. So that was challenging, I would say. Um, I think, like, obviously... Um, like growing a business, like challenging. And I've sort of told you this before, like wanting to hire, to grow to the next level, right? Yeah. Because at a certain point as an individual, you can only do so much. Like I was doing my bookkeeping. Yeah, I yeah. was doing my income tax. I was doing my billing. I was doing the design. I was doing tender, like everything. I was on site. So at a certain point, you just realize that you need to, again, be that little kid standing at the pool and take the next plunge. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And I did. And that was when I hired sort of my first full-time employee. And it was the best thing that I had ever done, you know, like, I mean, because it helped to take that stress off of me. Um, but it's those were the challenges. And I think the challenges are really always moving to that next level. But I've, I think like through experience, I've learned that, you know what, I'm going to be okay. And, and if I fall flat on my face, I'll pick myself up and I'll do it again. Yeah. And that's the difference, I think, again, between a business owner, like someone who's passionate about something versus just being like an employee. Right. So like, how, how do you think that you risk. learned I'm going to be OK if I fail? It's OK. I'll just pick myself back up again. Like, where does that come from? Because not everybody has. No, that, I know. I know. Right? And and I'd love to say <laughs> that it comes from like my parents, like my parents are amazing people, but it's not like I've seen them fail. It's not like I've seen them fall on their faces and pick themselves up. I think it's just sort of 
I don't know, through different readings and teachings and just being very positive. Like, you know what I mean? Like, look, you can get down and crawl into a ball in the corner and just like sit there. Right. But I just have been always that type of person that, okay, move on. You know yeah. what? Don't wallow in it. That's get what I love about you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm the same way. Yeah, yeah. Drive some of my friends crazy. Yeah. They're like, can you not have some sympathy yeah. for me? And I'm like, yes, I'm sorry it happened. What's next? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and too, like, I mean, you and I both playing volleyball, right? Like I always relate it to, um, you, you lose a point or you're down. Don't yeah. ever give up. Like, I mean, just get up and do it, you know, like, That's I right. mean, get right back up there and get into the next point. So, I, and I think with sport, like you learn a lot about working with other people. And one of the For things, sure. Like, I know when I was younger, I, I was probably a little bit more difficult because I was very um, competitive mm. and I really, really liked to win, which sometimes didn't necessarily bring out the best traits yeah. in me. Yeah. But one of the things that I found the hardest was if you are playing with someone, so you're playing beach, so it's only one other yeah. person, yeah. and you see that person give up. Right. That's for me is the hardest thing 100%. to deal with because yeah. it's like, why are you giving up? Yeah. There's still so much time. Yeah. You can try. You can yeah. try. And, you know, it didn't always come across. The messaging didn't come across properly <laughs> in the heat of the moment. Yeah, yeah. But it, it is really just about, like, never giving up and right. moving forward. But also, too, like, I mean, to just add on to that is that I was always the type of person, like, very competitive. Yeah. Love to win. Love to play in a, in, a, in a big group. But you know what? If we lost, okay, move on. Yeah. There's next time. Some people wallow in that, right? It's like, true. in sport. And they're down for the whole day, week, whatever. I'm like, you know what? Move on. It's true. Next time, let's go out and we'll have a drink, whatever. Yeah. Next time we play, we'll beat that team. It's you know true. what I mean? Like, it's true. you just have to, yeah, it's all a perception. But it's also like learning mechanisms on how to move on, mm -hmm. right? So I remember um, there was this guy that I dated when I was in university, and uh, he played pro beach volleyball. Okay. And what he would do is, whenever he made a mistake on the court, he would actually pick up a stone or sand and throw it off ah. the court. And so for him, Physical mentally, release or mentally, he's throwing away the error. Ah. You know, it's gone. Whatever it's you done. need to do, yeah. What do I have to do next? Yeah. And so I think I think sport does teach you, you know, sometimes 100%. you can make mistakes and move yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I've never really even thought about that, but I mean, just being involved in volleyball for such a long period of time from such a, a young age yeah playing varsity and competitive and keeping like keeping playing competitive now it, i think it does really like i mean it's a good point yeah no for does, sure for yeah, sure for sure so um in your career to date what has been something that has been a moment where you're like, I can't believe this has happened or this is amazing um, or I can't believe this opportunity came to me. Probably I would say um, last year, um, like I'm the, I'm the type of person that in, in the community, like in like Toronto landscape architecture, you know, it's it's not a big community but i'm very small and i keep to myself mm -hmm. you know like i don't hang out with a lot of landscape architects even though we do have an association i don't go to a lot of the meetings and stuff not that i don't care about it just that i like to concentrate on my stuff yeah well and you're busy and I'm busy. I am busy. busy. Yeah, exactly. So um, I never go for awards. I never apply for awards. I never do any any of that kind of stuff. Well, one of my uh, larger designs that I did last year, um, w the contractors decided that they wanted to take it in and enter it for awards. And um, it was one that I was very passionate about. And it was one that um, the client was an amazing client to the point that they never changed one 
iota of the design. Like they oh, kept wow. it bang on to everything that I made the decisions on. So it truly was my design through and through, like from start to finish. And um, so the, the trades, like the pool company, the the woodworkers, the stoneworkers, the, the planting companies, irrigation, lighting, they all entered it into an award. They all won. And then I ended up winning an award oh, for it. Oh, that's amazing. So to date, I think it's won 27 awards across North America. Come on. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So it was it, like, even though I don't um, like go, go out and look for it, them, yeah. it was something that it was like, you know what? It was just a nice pat on the back, you know, to, yeah. to be recognized in the industry. Um, and the most recent thing is I had a, a, t- a, a telephone interview with a woman down in the U.S., it had won the, the most recent word that it won is the top five masters of design for all of North wow. America. Yeah, yeah. So it was just like, and I look at this design and I think it's a great design, but I'm like, people just really ate it up. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and it made me sort of think like, you know what? I should be showing my work. And so I started my Instagram page yeah. and I get so many great followers <clears throat> and people commenting Listen, on stuff. Listen, your new website. Thank you. <laughs> Scott. Scott. You sent me to your old website before, and I thought, I'm not going to say anything to him. <laughs> this does not reflect what the, he does or who he yeah. is. Yeah. And then you're like, hey, I got a new website. Check it out. Give me your feedback. I was like, oh, thank God. This is so much better. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the funny thing with the the old website, again, just being a busy designer, and you, you'll see it across uh, the industry. Good designers don't always have the best websites yeah, because right. they're so busy with what they do, they don't have the time to spend in it. But I thought, you know what, I really need to, because that's just with today's society. Like everybody oh. goes to a website or to a blog or to um, Instagram, you know. For sure, yeah. for sure. The photos you have on there are amazing. Thank you. Thank and you. it's like a much better representation <laughs> yeah, yeah. of who you are in your business. Yeah. It shows the level of, of design that I do. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure, Thank for sure. You. And I don't think the old website did that, no. to be honest. No, yeah. no, no. It was, yeah. The funny thing is it was a friend of mine who did the website. <laughs> and and he, he learned to do the website because he owns a mascot company he makes mascots all, like across north america and he made his own website so he said i'll do your website yeah i know you know it, it's funny because like when i first um the very very first version of orange fish ever was a friend of a friend hmm. and it was awful and i saw it and i went oh my god i can't promote this and so like i had the business for a year but i was never sending anyone yes, to a website yeah. it's an e-commerce business yeah. what was i doing <laughs> And it's even become more and more important. For right? sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. Well, I love that you got nominated and I love Thank that you. that design has won so many times. Thank you. That's amazing. I would say that would be the biggest thing. And yeah. see, that's something where you didn't search it out, but it happened. Yeah. It just sort of came. Yeah. yeah. So the, these are all signs from the universe that you're on the right path. You're uh, doing sure. the right thing. I feel, you yeah. know, what the, the thing is I've always felt that this was the right path. Like, I mean, I had so many friends of mine that went to university, studied certain specifics and then ended up doing something completely different from the beginning with me. Like I knew that what my passions were as I loved architecture, I loved seeing architecture and drafting and drawing, you know, and then to be able to combine architecture and landscape together are the two passions coming together. So it was like, and, 
And it's not to say the only job no. that you've no. had no. have always been in this area because you've had other jobs. Yep. Actually, remember we worked together yeah. at, at um, Scully's. Scully's <laughs> in Midland. We were both servers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a fun summer. Yeah. Which you know, even that in itself, like taught you, like like now I don't, I never walk into a restaurant and think like it's easy to be a server. Yeah, like, no. One of the hardest jobs I did was serving. Yeah, when no, we had, it's like, true. 200 person patio right yeah like, no it's true it's true it is a tough job i do feel um that industry has changed too oh has it well i think in the sense that service and let's not just talk about serving mm. in a store yeah. or in a restaurant also in, in general a store. yeah i just feel like customer service has rapidly declined and people don't have general etiquette right i, uh, I agree with place, that yeah right because yeah. i think didn't we work together at casey's did you work at Casey's? Uh, no, I no? never worked at Casey's. So no. one of the great things at Casey's when it opened up in Midland is they had a full-blown six-week training session. Yes, yeah. And they really taught you like all the steps of customer service. Yeah, very important. And people cared yeah. about making sure they implemented. Yeah. And they cared about the person they were yeah. serving. Yeah. Whereas nowadays, I don't really find no, that No, I agree. Much. I agree. Like, And there'll be times that I'll walk in and I think, like, I'm thinking to myself, like, these people have no clue. Like, I mean they're the face of the product yeah. and they're not like it, it's if, as if they don't really give to yeah you know about you even being there and i'm thinking like especially in the restaurant industry For like if, sure. if i don't think that there's service there i think that i'm inconveniencing somebody like i mean and then you go into restaurants or stores that people are completely opposite yeah. and you're like you take note of it you yeah. know and it's it's very important. Like I mean, there's places that I won't go back to if the service is bad. The food may be good, yeah, but the service is bad. Yeah. So it's yeah. funny. So working in that industry, you can kind of see both sides, 100%. like how hard it yeah. is, but then you can yeah. also see where it's kind of changed yeah. significantly. Yeah. 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 For sure. So okay. So now I'm going to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions. Okay. We'll see where this goes. Are these one one word? Well, um, okay. So my uh, my question is a quick question, but you can take as long as you okay, want the okay, answer. Yeah. Okay. So um, I I think I probably know the answer to this one, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Um, who do you think has had the greatest influence or impact in your life? I'm going to say definitely my great grandparents. Yeah. Yeah, because that was the that was the sort of the seed that was planted by them, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to say my parents because they're such great people, but <laughs> I mean, look, they're they're a product of my great grandparents, so I would say them. Yeah. Okay, so uh, what is the one best thing you've ever done for your career? Um, gone out on my own. Definitely broken away and been my own, become my own boss. Yeah. Yeah taken the risk and and because with the risk is all the reward you know what I mean like just really having that that gumption to to let go and trust that the universe is going to give to me what I'm putting out there you know what I mean so I think that would be the biggest thing um and what is one thing that you can't live without (laughs) only one yeah (laughs) um I would say my dogs. Oh, they are so cute. I would say that because you know what? I can have the crappiest day and I can come home and them standing there with their wagging tails 
just puts me in like takes me out of any mood and having to care for them and just love them i would say my dogs for sure yeah (laughs) you have to go to scott's instagram to see his dogs they are super cute um if you were to think of anyone in your life and they could be with us today or not Mm -hmm. with us any longer um who is someone that you would look at and say wow they're really successful Mm. <laughs> really successful. Um, that's a tough one. Um, I don't know. Can we table? Can we put that on the yeah, show? Yeah, you want to talk about it? it? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I do sure, sure, sure. That. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so let's move on to the next one. Um, when you were younger, what did you think you were really good at? sport like I loved like how young like I mean I, I like <laughs> when I was really really young I always thought I was really good at drawing and coloring and like as a really little kid like I loved playing with Lego I was very creative yeah whether it was plaster scene or Lego or drawing and coloring uh, and then as I got a little bit older I would say like sports like I mean I always excelled at like playing tennis anything that I played yeah you know and took it on I became passionate about I think that's my father's very athletic and sort of he taught me sort of the value of sport you know what I mean and yet they never pushed me into any of the sports that he played right I mean he was hockey and baseball and they didn't push me into those sports which a lot of fathers and mothers do like the sports that they play they allowed me to pick up my own things like tennis and volleyball and track and stuff and yeah I think I excelled at those you know, like school in the beginning was not my forte. Yeah. Like learning. It wasn't until university that I really started to grow in that. But you, know? you must have had pretty good marks in order to get into university. So public school, I struggled. Um, having like they actually thought I had learning disabilities that they, the teacher sent me down to sick kids to have all these tests done, which was crazy. That was in early public school. And you didn't have disabilities? What was the problem? <laughs> well, no, so the, the, a lot of the doctors that I had gone and because they were checking for like uh, motor skills and all this kind of stuff, if I was seeing things right because my reading and my math were slow. This was probably, I'm going to say, in grade three. Yeah. By graduation in grade eight, I won almost every award in like English and all these different things. Like it was just the, the doctor said, it's just some children just learn at different rates. Right. Like, and we know that now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Of course. Of course. Um, high school. Um, I had good grades. I think I had good grades, but it wasn't until university that I really excelled in, yeah. in academics. It's yeah. funny. Do you feel like, um, like I know for me when I was in high school, my marks were not good. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I was probably like B B minus student yeah. maybe. And then um, I had gone to a volleyball tournament, a high school girls volleyball tournament at McMaster, mm-hmm. and fell in love. And I thought, oh my god, I totally want to yeah. be here. Yeah. And I think I was in grade twelve or grade thirteen, and I stayed in residence with Tammy McFarland, oh, and up. it was so fun. Yeah. And I thought, oh, how do I get here? And before that moment, I had never thought about going to university at oh, all. Oh, really? And this was like grade 11, grade 12. Yeah. And um, my marks were not great. So then I had to go back and be like, 
what do I need to do yeah. to get in here? Yeah. And so I was super excited when like I got a motivator, accepted. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I think sports is kind of what drove me 100%. to go further in education yeah. too. Yeah. Well, right? Bill Hartman, who you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm, love he, Bill. Him being my volleyball coach in, in high school, um, he recommended, like also when I applied to Guelph, he said, I know the coach of, uh, like Doug Dodd was the coach of the volleyball, varsity volleyball team. So he put a really good word in for me. And oh, that's how I, I to, to this day, I like thank Bill for getting me into varsity volleyball. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, that's the benefit of like having such great relationships with your coaches and teachers. Uh, oh, right? yeah. Like there and there's so much more than coaches and teachers. Oh, you know what I mean? Sure. Like, I look at them as family, you know, when you're in that position. Right. Yeah. They yeah. have such a big role to yeah. play, I think. Yeah. Right. Very, very important for sure. Um, OK, so um, who is your sports hero? Sports hero. You know what? This is going to sound cheesy, but I'm going to have to say my dad. Really? Yeah, because he, I think, coming from a small town, um, he's really was my inspiration to get into sport, like I said. And sure, I could say like Karch Cry or something like that, you know. Um, But those people are just people that are good at their sport but my dad was good at the sport and he was an amazing dad yeah yeah, so i think like he's definitely my sports hero well you know what him and my big brother i I (laughs) back up here because my big brother being 10 years older than me uh was always into football and i always looked up to both him and my dad so is there anything that either or that any like your mom your dad or your brother is there anything that any of them used to say to you that still to sticks encourage. in your mind like you know you had the quote from your yeah from my great grandparents is there anything yeah. that your parents would say um, to you well I, I i'll never forget and this is something that everybody you hear from different people but what doesn't kill you makes you stronger mm-hmm. it was always something my my uh, mom would say because my mom was like my dad was sort of the typical dad like he was there as the jock dad right and my yeah. mom was the very sensitive like growing up i was a very sensitive child and she was always there and just always made sure that i was you know, like I was okay. And she would always say like, if something beat you down, whatever, like whatever, it doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that makes a huge difference. I think 100%, when you have supportive yeah. parents. 100%. And I like too, how you said like your parents didn't push you into anything, but no. they gave you the opportunity to try a lot yeah. of different things. Right. They were, they were the support at home. Um, that it was sort of gentle encouragement. They were never pushing me to be amazing at school. You know, they wanted me to do good. Like, um, neither of them came from a background, like, uh, where they had gone past high school. My mom didn't even go finish high school, I don't think. She had to drop out and take care of her family as being the oldest. Like, just those would be, those would be the things that I would say, like, I mean, it was the gentle encouragement. You know, it wasn't pressure. There was no pressure, you know, because I was always good enough wherever I was going. You yeah, know? that's amazing. Because yeah. not everybody has that support no, system, right? No, and I think it was me that pushed myself harder and was harder on myself. Yeah, than they ever were. You know what I mean? So, have you, um, like, besides sports moments, have you ever had a anything that's happened that personally has been challenging to overcome? Because business is kind of like we're yeah. a little bit more rational when we yeah. think about it. Yeah. But you know, for example, for me, I always talk a lot about when I had knee surgery and I lost my identity in sport mm-hmm. or my identity as a person. Who yeah. was I and how did I overcome that? Yeah. And so have you ever had anything like that happen? 
So I would say just being uh, like a gay man, like coming mm. out and, um, you know, at the challenges of living in a small town growing up, not necessarily knowing, like as a small kid, I thought I was going to get married and have children with a woman. Yeah. You know? And it wasn't until I really uh, had gone through university and left university and came to live in a big city that I sort of was made aware of how more accepting it is and stuff like that. So I think that was a big challenge. Yeah. Um, probably, I would say that would be the biggest challenge in my life was really overcoming that. I had a lot of support, you know, yeah. like, which was really good. Um, but I've been, I've been really blessed. Like, I mean, I don't come from a lot. Like my parents provided for us. We didn't come from money and they were both very, very hardworking people. And I think just to come from that and be where I am today just makes me so appreciative of where I am. And, uh, yeah, like, I mean, I think I've been pretty lucky, like, yeah. like knock on wood. Like, I mean, but do you really believe in luck? Well, look, uh, I believe more in energy. I believe that being a good person and putting good energy out and like helping others and doing things for others and, and just being a nice person in general, smallest thing, like opening the door for somebody. Yeah. Like, I think that that stuff comes back to you in droves. Like it's karma. And I, I'm the strongest believer in that, you know? Yeah, I totally believe in karma. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, like, for sure. why go through life being miserable and being nasty and stuff when you can be good? And, like, I mean, look, everything's not all roses and sunshine, but, yeah. I mean, just be positive when you can be positive. Well, it's interesting because I was just talking to somebody else, and um, they were talking about how, you know, if you see someone and, like, maybe they're having a bad day mm-hmm. and they're yelling at the person in the drive through mm-hmm. That person's like, you know, I don't judge them. I just think that person's doing the best they can right yeah. now. Yeah. And I thought, you know, that's such a good way to look at that because yeah. there are so many people. We don't know their story. No. We don't know what's happened you to them. You don't know what's happened to them. You know, yeah. maybe something super tragic has yeah. happened that day and they're taking it out in a certain form, but then there's no reason to kind of contribute to that or no. add on to it. Or right? to feed into it. Yeah. 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 A hundred percent. Like, I mean, you never know where someone's coming from, whether it be from their background or from what's happened, like you said, that day. So if you're having a bad day, what do you do to change that? Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I try to sort of like get out, like volleyball is a great out. Like, I yeah. mean, if I'm frustrated or stressed about something, if I can hit a ball around and get that out, <laughs> that always helps. Um, for me, sunshine's a big thing. So, I mean, if mm. I'm sort of down and out. So, this uh, week has been great for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I mean, look, I'm the first one to admit that I suffer from seasonal depression. Yeah. And it's something that's talked about a lot more, which I think is great. Um, I know enough now that I need to leave probably two times during the, the winter yeah. and go south. And I get my recharge. I've got my little light that I sit on my desk to get my... Um, I know. I heard they really work. They do work. Yeah. They it's all do, about eh? it going into your eyes and like sort of uh, sort of almost um, teasing the brain or, or tricking the brain to know that you're getting the serotonin yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, levels that you, you need. And then just proper diet and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, going, going south, getting the sun really helps me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, of course. Of yeah. course. I need yeah. to do that more, I think. Um, I'm, I like going out and working out. Like yeah. I feel like if I'm super angry or frustrated, I get the best workout ever. Oh yeah. Well, I have to try that. I'm not a, it's funny. I'm not a big workout guy. I like to, <clears throat> to do group sport. Yeah. Yeah. Like go and. I've been, you don't go to the gym. I don't. At all? Barely. 
Really? Yeah, I like yoga. I've got to get back into yoga a little bit more. But the funny thing is that, yeah, it's just sport. I'm surprised because you're still in good shape. Yeah, it's volleyball, though. And And probably you have a very good diet. No. (laughs) No. No. <laughs> sometimes yes <laughs> most of the times no no i think it's just uh, i mean i'm noticing it as i'm getting older i'm 42 damn that's unfair <laughs> that's not no, very I, fair. I, like i mean when i go to the gym i enjoy it when i'm there yeah to get motivated to go to the gym which is in my <laughs> building <laughs> yeah it's procrastination i think too with the job like with work i'm so mentally at the end of the day i'm so mentally drained yeah um that i like to just cozy down with the dogs, go for a walk. I love being outside, so I like walking a lot. I would rather be out walking a lot um, or going and playing volleyball with friends. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be able to work out like any time of day, Mm. but now I go first thing in the morning. It's like I I roll out of bed. I've got to try that, yeah. I go. Yeah. Because I'll tell you, if you do that first thing in the morning... You've crossed off your list. You, and you feel great. And you're jump-starting your day. Yes. Right? The, yeah. the blood's glowing. and uh, right? Mentally. Yeah. yeah. It's good. Yeah, I should I listen that. to a lot of um, other, like, podcasts when I'm working out. Mm-hmm. So it's very, like, creative and stimulated in, in that way. Yeah. Although the guys at my gym are like, you don't listen to me as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no. Whatever works for you, right? Yeah. <laughs> the guy's like, don't you ever stop working? I'm yeah. like, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were to want to tell people Mm -hmm. something and say, for example, you could have a giant billboard and it could have a message on it. What would the message be? Um, Take a risk. Mm. Like, don't be afraid of failure. Like a lot of people I think are so held back and frozen by failing. And like I said, like I'm the hardest person on myself. That's what held me back. And I, and I look back now and what we're talking about, and I think, well, I really didn't hold back, <laughs> you know, but. But you felt that way at the time. But I did. There's certain key <coughs> points that I felt like frozen. Yeah. And just to know that, you know what, like, just take the risk and to just try it. Because you know what, life is like, I mean, it's sort of a corny pun, but life is really short. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm 41 yeah. and I just see like how much has flown by in such a little time and stuff. And I think where I've gotten to and what I've achieved and all my goals and stuff like that. And I think, you know what, if I had just sat back and said, what if, Yeah. I would never be here. Yeah. And my life would be so much different. And I think like that, like even talking to my niece and my nephew, and I remember talking to my nephew and saying like, what are you, like, what do you see for yourself and stuff like this? And he said, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get a good job and I'm going to rent an apartment. And I'm like, what do you mean rent an apartment? You're going to own a house. You're going to own this. Like, I'm like, (laughs) set your goals really high like I mean and and he's maybe less so of a materialistic not that I'm a materialistic person but I mean I set my goals to what I wanted to achieve I wanted to own my own house I wanted to have my cottage I wanted to own my own business um travel a lot you know and and that has by taking those risks I'm I'm able to do that yeah and not have to worry about money anymore I'm finally at a point in my life in the last 10 years that I think I don't worry about money yeah you know, like not like the university years when you're going out eating dinner and you're like, <laughs> separate bills, please. It's yeah, like, I think I'll have craft dinner again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or can you pack up that extra pizza to go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I would say, yeah, take risks and and be less fearful. Mm-hmm. You know, like trust in the fact that there's good things out there and that if you put good things out, they'll happen to you. And so what do you think has helped you the most? Like, have you ever had a mentor or um, 
a guide or so I've I've had different people and I and I can sort of name off different people but certain people throughout my life I think there's certain times that people come into your into your life I used to say that they were like angels right yeah. like somebody has come into my life to I feel like that about you oh <laughs> you're too sweet <laughs> it's true though okay you can't see tears on this right no. <laughs> Um, no, so like I, I think um, very early in, in life, I had uh, a teacher who was sort of a substitute teacher, but she was a librarian. Mm-hmm. And she taught me like even the tiniest little things, like just being like, um, just being polite and being like how to just be like a good student, you know, like she was always like teaching you like the proper etiquette or the proper way to say thank you or like all this kind of stuff and I just remember that she was a big influence in public school and then in high school like people like Bill Bill Hartman like a coach you know like just really promoting something and seeing <clears throat> that there's a talent in you and just yeah. being more than just a coach you know that like he was a great well, both Bill and his wife Sharon yeah because Sharon was at my high school right we're yeah. the same yeah. right like very much the same yeah the same people right and and then later in life like I mean university and stuff like I always had the thread of my parents but then you had um these people that came in at various stages you know and I had um like a little bit later on and they really helped me in my career where um I call them um they're like my second mother and father my my dad's boss from Canadian Tire in Midland Harry Campbell and Betty Campbell um I became really close with them when I was designing their home Mm -hmm. uh, up on the water there and we became super super close and I came out to them Oh, no Before way. I came up to my parents. Oh, wow. And uh, they were so supportive and just so amazing. And they really helped my parents to deal with stuff, right? And uh, Bet- or Harry put me with in with a few different people that helped to launch my career. Like oh. by him having me design his home yeah. and then getting me in with his architect and then getting me in with other people. It really put me in connection and put me on the right path. You know, so there's little there's little things that have happened throughout my life that I would say little uh, or where people have come in that have been big influences. And, you know, at the time, did you recognize it or no? Uh, Is it only later, like in reflecting that you realized yeah, like, like, uh, they Yeah, definitely later in life, I recognized <laughs> when someone was in my life. Yeah. Like when I was younger, look, my teacher and Bill Hartman and stuff, maybe not so much now. Yes. But like people like uh, Harry and Betty Campbell and the, during the time that I was spending with them, I definitely knew that they were putting me and, and just being those, like I call them, like they're, they're almost like they're angels. They're people yeah. that are there in your life. You don't know why, but they're there and they're just helping you down the right, like focusing you on the right path. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because it just reflects like the true value and the importance of relationships. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know? And, and surrounding yourself with the right people. Yeah. 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 For sure. But again, I think you attract it. Yeah. Like like just being a good person. And I think like those initial values for my great grandparents, going back to them, like they taught us, like even though, you know, like like the whole Christianity thing and stuff like that, I sort of strayed away from it, but I pulled from it the good things. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, being good to other people, you know what I mean? And and that sort of drew good people to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, Scott, if people want to find out more about you, I think they should go to your new website. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Check out the new one. <laughs> and so that is uh, www.edentreedesign.com. 
And if they want to see your cute dogs, they can go to my Instagram page. <laughs> so my personal Instagram page is under first name, last name, Scott McQuaig, M-C-C-U-A-I-G. And then my company uh, website is uh, Eden Tree Design, Inc. Great. And I honestly, like, I hope people go check out um, your website in particular because the, like, the new pictures are phenomenal. Thank you. <laughs> like, I can't go on and on and on about them. And I really want to thank you for your time today. My pleasure. I always love chatting with you, and I wish we got to spend more time I together. Know. But at least this one we have recorded now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just play it back. <laughs> I'll just play when I need to hear you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you to everyone for listening. I would love to know what you think. I uh, would love to hear your suggestions and your feedback. So feel free to send me a note, uh, jlewis at janetlewis.com. Um, and I'd love to do more of these. It was fun, uh, but it just depends on if there's any interest. Thanks again.